Welcome back to Split Decision. This week on episode 25, we're going to recap UFC Austin, Benil Dariush versus Armand Sarukian from this past weekend. From there, we're going to draft our top five Christmas movies. Next, we'll preview UFC Vegas 83, Song Yudong versus Chris Gutierrez. Then we'll huddle up for the biggest rivalry in college football, Army versus Navy, and Week 14 of the NFL. And finally, we'll jump back into Stakes and Takes, our betting segment where we give you our best advice for this week's games. But first, don't forget to, to like and subscribe and head to splitdecisionpod.com where you'll find all our recent episodes, podcasts, top fives, and more. Again, that's splitdecisionpod.com. All right, let's go. All right, so going in, we thought UFC Austin might be the best fight night card of the year. I think it might have been. And I think it lived up to the hype. That was a pretty crazy fight card that we just witnessed. Both the prelims, which there were people on Twitter literally saying, was this the best prelim card ever? Dude, I was sitting in my office at work watching the prelims, and I was hyped. And then the main card, which we're going to cover, lived up to the hype. Every fight was exciting. Especially the three the three or four big fights that we had, they lived up to the hype. Exciting things happened. And we're going to start with the main event, Benil Dariush, Armin Sarzukian. And this one, we came in saying, can Sarzukian step up his game against a legitimate contender, the number five guy in Benil Dariush? And not only did he step up his game, he knocked him out cold in the first round. Yeah, it was a minute and four seconds in the very first round. A little bit of back and forth. I think it was less than 40 strikes total th- um, thrown. But like 10 landed. Armin Sarukian showed his power, showed his strength, showed exactly what he was planning on coming to do to the lightweight division. And I think that's exactly what we get to see here from now on is a uh, young guy in the top five. He deserves that place. I don't know who he fights next, but it was a great it was a great showing. Not much to report, not much to cover on the fight other than I mean what had happened in under two minutes and I mean he it looked like he hit him with a knee and that's what did it, but when they slowed it down, he barely hit Benil with a knee, but Benil did not see the hook coming. And it hit and him, it hit him right the same, on the like, chin. At the same time. Before they commentators even said it was before his knee, the foot that he threw the knee on touched the ground. Right. He knocked him out with his hand. He generated that And then got a few good shots on the ground. Benil stayed on the ground for a long time. Uh, I think Armin, outside chance his next fight is a title shot. Like, it wouldn't be out of the question. But I think he probably has one more fight. Question is who? Because he beat number five guy, Benil. He was number five, right? Yeah, Benil was number five because Chandler's... Any of the top four... No, Benil was four because Chandler's five. Any of the top four is hard to get a fight with right now. Just because they're either vets like Gaethje and uh, right, I mean the top Poirier, five consists. They're not of... going to fight a guy like Armin unless it's for the belt, or it's Islam. Who's he going to fight next? Oliveira. Oliveira. That's supposed to be the next fight. Michael uh, Chandler. Michael Chandler's supposed to fight Conor McGregor. McGregor. So it will be interesting. He might have to. He doesn't seem like the type of guy to me that's going to take a lower opponent after this. Is he automatically just the new gatekeeper of the lightweight division? No, because I think a gatekeeper, you've, you've had to have already tried for or the title. Or is it Jalen Turner? Jalen Turner got a surprise 
not surprised, but a quick victory over Bobby Green in the lightweight division. So yeah, but Jalen, I don't know if he's up there yet. Armin, I think he's look he's sniffing a title shot. Not saying it's next, but it's coming in the future, especially one more win. One more win, I think, would jump him above in front of another guy, because the other guys are in are content waiting for a title shot. They they kind of done what they needed to do to deserve it in their minds, so they're okay kind of sitting around waiting, you know, for that title shot to present itself to them. And jumping to the co-main, you just mentioned it, uh, Jalen Turner, Bobby Green. A lot like the, fir- the first fight we just covered, the main event, Jalen Turner caught Bobby Green in the first round, got the knockout. Three knockouts, if you I ask me. I think this me. might be, Dana White said it, I saw it all over Twitter as well, might be the wor- one of the worst stoppages in UFC history we've ever seen. Not because it was too early, like is usually the case, as you said, Bobby Green might have got knocked out three different times in this sequence. Before all that, it could have been stopped 15 seconds before it got stopped. It, it very well could have. But before before the the rock or the stoppage of the knock, anything like that, it was a good start to the round by both fighters. They decided not to touch gloves. It it looked like it was going to be a striking forward match. Both it guys was. with length, you know, kind of keeping each other at bay. You know, they're they're both crafty. Vets Bobby in Green the has UFC. length for 155, but. Jalen Turner, 6'3". Exactly. You're so, not going to outlink them. Bobby Green just got caught. You know, that simple as it was, he kind of got caught and had that delayed He got hit on the back effect. of the head, got the wobble. He couldn't even, he like tried to throw a punch and was like, oh, he's fucked up. Right. And as soon as that happened, Jalen Turner smelled the blood and attacked, dropped him immediately. And he like, like a you dead said, body out there. ground and pound for a solid 15 seconds. I mean, he took some... Unnecessary shots to the head. Brutal, unnecessary shots to the head. The right should have been stopped. He even admitted it after, and he was upset about it, Dana White said. So, question for you. I know this loss, a quick loss like this to a talented person like Jalen Turner doesn't take a lot away from Bobby Green. Yeah, but Bobby Green was never a contender in this division. And we're also not worried about him today because he lost. We're talking about Jalen Turner. He got called out by Renato Moicano. I don't think he wants that fight. Uh, other I think people Jaylen around number nine, right? Other people around his ranking would be somebody like Benoit Saint Denis, who I don't think anybody wants to fight Benoit Saint Denis right now. Right? I think he's Benoit Saint Denis is actually ranked tenth at the moment, so that could be a matchup. You got to give Jalen credit. He took this on short notice. He showed he's willing to fight anybody, kinda. and knocked him out cold. Yeah, so three he, times he, he showed he's willing to fight. So I don't want to say, or maybe he doesn't want to fight Benoit, but I don't know if he's taking that. Grant fight. Dawson off a loss, you know, Bobby Green lost to Grant Dawson after a win like this. I think he's going to try to go for somebody higher ranked than him, or maybe a Drew Dober who's off a win. You know, uh, any of those guys. He's in got my some opinion. options. I think you know Jalen Turner in the lightweight, not quite like we said, ready for a top five opponent. But definitely top 15. I think he's, you know, he's ready to take that next step. He's ranked nine in his own right by beating Bobby Green. Give him a test. Don't put him up against a heavy wrestler. Put him up somebody with a mixed bag. Make him fight for it. Make him work. All right, so the next fight we're going to look at, while the first two had crazy knockouts and maybe were the best knockouts of the night, this might have been the fight of the night and most impressive showing of the night. Rob Font versus Davidson Figueredo. Figueredo moving up to 135. He was a killer at 125. He moved up to 135, and he kind of schooled Rob Font. Yeah, dude, four out of seven takedowns. Very, very impressive He was faster than Rob Font. He yeah. looked like his punches were hurting him, were hurting Rob Font more than Rob Font's punches were hurting him. 
It was a unanimous decision win for Figueredo. He won all three rounds, I think. I think even the judges had it that way. Yeah, that's what I saw. 29-27 or 29-28 unanimous for uh, Figueredo on all three scorecards. I didn't know what to expect coming into the fight. Just, you know, moving up in a weight class, you don't know if the power yeah, is going to translate. Yeah, that was the question. And he proved he's right up there with the— because Rob Font's a good fighter. He's I think he was right. number yeah, seven. Yeah, in the bantamweight in. division especially, Rob Font held his own. He's fought— you know, contended top 10. I think he was ranked 11th at the moment. But that's tough. He's now one in four in his last five. All four of his losses are against killers. But it doesn't take away the truth. It's yeah. one in four in your but last five. But I think Figueredo is automatically moves up to a contender in this division. I agree. He rallied Especially late. Especially as a former champ. Right. He rallied late, but it really showed that a three-round fight, and it showed this for Font as well, but it showed that a three-round fight for these type of guys it doesn't really matter to them. They can go five rounds at any given point. They have the gas for it. So I think Figueredo winning in the fashion that he did kind of sets him up to at least headline, you know, a fight night in the future so he can have that five-round test to see if he can take it at bantamweight with that extra weight, convert that power more, maybe get some more wrestling on the on the bags and see if he can go for a title shot in the yeah, future. Yeah, I think regardless, he's a probably a win away from being a legit like he should fight for the title next at one time. Dude, it's starting to seem like every every division in the UFC this past year, twenty twenty three is almost in the bag. So every division the UFC has just started to kind of blow up. You know, everything's getting heated. Heavyweights stacked. There's not a lot of dominant champs right now. Right. The and everybody's in contention. Belts are changing a lot right now. And it's exciting. The next one we have Sean Brady versus Kelvin Gastelum. This was unfortunately maybe the most predictable fight of the card. And I like Kevin Gastelum. We think he has the the most raw talent. He just comes in with But this time he was he came in, he was in with shape. The, I was gonna say with the most unfortunate circumstances. But you man, know, Sean, Sean Brady, Brady walked forward him yeah, on the ground. Walked forward and just dominated that was exactly what I was gonna say. Dominated him on the ground. It was one of those where you got to think, if you put yourself in Kevin Gaslam's shoes, he's got to be thinking, like, what the fuck am I doing out here? Because he could not compete on the ground. It wasn't just that Ro- that uh, Sean Brady, like, kind of beat him on the ground. Sean Brady schooled him on the ground and make him look like he didn't know what to do. Like, he didn't know what he was doing out there. Right, and, and Gaslam has a wrestling background. He was the Arizona State High School champ. They said it during the broadcast. And it was right. Like, Sean Brady was making him... Now, the only, the only thing I really had to question coming into this fight was after Sean Brady's loss, you know, dropping to 15-1, and one, how do you respond to that? Well, he kind of showed you that, and he, he showed you during the fight, but then he also told you after the fight. He's coming in. He's going to start submitting people. He's going to start doing what he does. He's not worried about, you know, what anybody wants him to fight like. Yeah, because they were booing him, and it was like— He's like, no, I don't care. I'm coming out fight like me. That's why I got signed to the UFC. So I was 15 and 0 before my last fight. Right, coming out to do things like I'm not used to doing. Stick to the game plan. You get 15 victories in a row. I think now being 16 and 1, he's going to stick to that word. I think he's going to continue to just submit people. All right, the next fight, Clay Guida, the vet. I think he's 41, 42 years old. He turns 42 in like 3 days on December 8th. Taking on Joaquim Silva. Is that his first name? Joaquim Silva. Joaquim, or they call him jo- Joaquim. Joaquim Silva. Joaquim Silva. 
this was a fight. It was a fun fight to watch. Silva kind of beat Clay Guida up in the first round. Clay Guida showed his toughness, took the second round, and then it came down to the third round where I think Silva was just a little bit better. But Clay Guida, he didn't show, like, he, despite being that old, the age thing, he didn't show his age in this fight. Yeah, I mean, he, he did get damaged. He got, like, I wouldn't say, like, heavily rocked. Well, I mean, he did get rocked once. He kind of got heavily rocked once. But he recovered well, and he recovered quick. You know, at 41 well, he years old. he recovered and then won the next round. Right. I mean, Silva Silva has a has a striking power to knock anybody out, but he couldn't put away Guida. Guida is, as always, the the typical aggressor that we've always seen. They say the chin's the first to go. Like, if you're a vet, that's like the old saying. And like, obviously, his chin is not gone. No, I mean, with if that's the first to go, he's got three, four more years at least. Yeah. It, it's crazy. Clay Guida did great in this fight. He pushed forward the entire time. It just wasn't enough for Joaquin Silva. It was a striking masterclass, in my opinion. You know, he he dodged. He didn't get baited into Guida's attempts to kind of make him make a mistake, if you will. I don't know. He he just did what he needed to do in every round. You know, even when he lost a round, it, the losing was like a you know last ditch effort for Guida to win. So. You know, with all that, I agreed with the unanimous decision, 29-28, I believe it was, on all the judges' scorecards. Yeah, I think it was first round Silva, second round Guida, third round Silva. Right, yeah. And then uh, opening UFC Austin's main card, we had Punahile Soriano versus Dustin Stoltzfus. This was another interesting one. It was a, uh upset, opening card upset. I like these. Uh, a guy that doesn't normally get submission victories got a submission victory. And it was honestly, for Stoltfus, this like saved his UFC career getting this win. It saved his career. It was two guys kind of you know on different tracks. Or not really on different tracks, but it kind of decided what, what direction they were going in a sense. Well, I mean, Soriano came in 3-3 three and three in the UFC. Stoltfus won four. So Stoltfus definitely needed this. He needed the win more, for sure. Soriano isn't looking pretty either, you know. I mean, three and four in the UFC is not great to have either. But it was kind of two guys, like, who wants to stick around? Who's, like... Yeah, who's got the, the more determination to stay in the UFC? To, like, turn their career around. Stolfus showed his resilience in the fight. You know, I'd say uh, it's a good striking matchup in the first round. You know, both people got damaged early, but I think the damage kind of weared on Punahile in the, in the first, carrying over to the second round where he was able to or Stoltzfus was able to bring the fight to the ground and then get the submission, which, like I said, rare submission by Stoltzfus, but, you know, he needed it. So Yes, overall, a very good performance from him. And very uh, good fight card. Very good fight card. I think we enjoyed this one. It was exciting. Every fight showed something a little different. And thank God, I mean, the crowd makes a difference too. Yeah, having a big UFC crowd anywhere you go is... Especially a place that doesn't get it a lot, like... You know, Moody Austin. Center in Austin was electric. For the prelims, it was still full. It's great. And we only have one more fight night for the whole year. So that's exciting in, the, in its own right. Okay, so let's jump to our top five this week. Ooh, this I'm week, excited. First week of December in the Christmas spirit. This whole month, we're going to be doing Christmas-themed top fives. And the first one we're going to do is the top five Christmas movies. And I believe I have the first pick. 
Uh, you do, sir. So this is a tough one. There's a lot of good Christmas movies. Every list I saw and the movies on those lists that I've actually watched, there wasn't a bad one on there. No, I, I as much as I Most didn't Christmas think, movies are good. I was going to say, as much as I didn't think I liked all these Christmas movies, when I was making my list, it was easy to fill up the list. It was very easy. Then it was, it was easy hard to picking the top. To say. They, I, like normally, it's it's easy to pick your top five. It's like, oh, these are my easy top five, and then these are like kind of leftovers. If you take one of my top five, then I'll have this to kind of fill it in. This one was easy to fill up the list, hard to to narrow it down. Right. Yeah. So I'm excited. It's a good one. So the first pick is especially hard, but I think the first pick in the draft, one one. I gotta go Elf. Elf, Will Elf, Ferrell, Will Ferrell, Zoe Deschanel, Zoe Deschanel. Um, who is the dad? Peter Dinklage is the midget. Peter Dinklage is in <laughs> it. There's a lot of famous people in it. Uh, I mean, for our generation, Very people born in the '90s, like it was probably like the first Christmas movie that came out when we were kids that has stood the test of time. It also did that thing at the beginning where like we saw this movie become a Christmas classic. Yeah, we did. It, it did that thing at the beginning of it where it hit you with that like. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, Frosty the Snowman. Then it like, got kind of real, as real as that movie gets. Right. It's like, whoa, this is, it's fun. It, it's a different, it was a different, new, fresh take when it came out. And that was like right at the start of Will Ferrell's like run where he was just making banger after banger movie. Right. Yeah, very very good. So Elf won one. You got your next two picks. What do you got? Uh, so my number one, it kind of, you picking Elf, I think that was going to be either my 1-1 one, one or my 1-2, knowing that I had, you know, two picks back-to-back. Um, my number one, since you took that one off the board, it made it easy for me. I'm going to go with Home Alone. Oh. Big Christmas classic. That's probably going to be my next pick. Um, you know, my eight-year-old loves it. It's one of his favorite Christmas movies. It's a whole good Christmas franchise, but obviously, in my opinion, the the original first one is... You know, uh, I watch it every year. I've already seen it a couple times this this Christmas season. It's a good movie. Uh, but Home Alone's great. The McAllisters are awesome. Check out my bathroom at the current moment. It's decorated, you know, slightly like that. Um, second pick, honestly, man, I think I'm going to go with The Grinch. Which one? So you want to be specific. For The Grinch, I think we have to be. Okay. So I'm going with one that that more shaped my childhood than the current Grinch that's out there. I'm going with the Jim Carrey Grinch. The Jim Carrey one. But so the only reason I asked that is because the I wasn't even thinking the most current Grinch. I was thinking the a, cartoon, a cartoon Grinch. Right. Yeah. I I enjoy the cartoon as well, and and I enjoy the new live action one with Benedict Cumberbatch. But I I got to go with the one I preferred most as a kid because that. You know, that's where Christmas, it's not the most important, but it means the most to you. It's where you get the most Christmas spirit from. So the one that shaped my childhood, Jim Carrey's Grinch. That's a good pick. Uh, I think that's another one that was kind of our age. It was made when we were kids. And we it kind of made it for out. us, you know, made for our made childhood. For us, it least. was a great movie. So what that was your number two? second. My number two, this is legitimately maybe like one of my, it's definitely in my top five of all time favorite movies. What? The Nightmare Before Christmas. Oh, man. It was my favorite movie as a kid. 
and I still love this movie. Jack Skeleton mixes the Halloween with the Christmas, much like real life does. Like you go from Halloween and kind of go to Christmas. You forget about Thanksgiving. They briefly go to Thanksgiving Town or like pass by Thanksgiving Town in the movie too. Really? Yeah, my kids. There's like a door to go that. to Thanksgiving. I, I time. couldn't. I couldn't tell you anything. Jack about Skeleton, it. all-time character. Tim Burton, all-time director. My number two, Nightmare Before Christmas. Dang, I don't even have that on my list. I love that movie. That's a solid second pick as well. It it as you know as much as you could think it's a Halloween movie. It it does embody like the thought of. I mean, it's, it's kind of like a. It's it's a similar movie to The Grinch. Exactly. You know, where it's like the guy doesn't understand it, and then he learns what it's about, and he loves it. And he loves it. What's your third pick? So my third pick, this is one that's always the one where they're like, did you know this is a Christmas movie? My number three is going to be Die Hard. God damn it! The first Die Hard is a great movie, a great act. It's a classic action film. It's Christmas. Bruce Willis at his finest. Listen, as much as I'm the happy... It's one of the best franchises, uh like action franchises in American cinema history. So I don't have many, uh, I don't have many movies like physical copies of movies anymore. I think in 2023, that's a dying, uh, thing, but there are three movie franchise. I'm sorry, four movie franchise where I have every hard copy. Die Hard is one of them. Since I was a kid, Die Hard has been one of my favorite movies. I, it was on, it was my next pick in this draft. Die Hard is a great Christmas movie. I was trying to kind of save it because I didn't know if you liked the movie. And oh, I, I love Die Hard. I wasted John McClane. John McClane, yippee ki motherfucker. Right, I wasted it. I won a competition in a work thing because of uh, Die Hard as my Christmas thing one time. So, Well, you got the next two picks, so what you get? <sighs> I think for my next pick, I'm going to go with National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. I had that on my list. I mean, that's a classic Christmas movie. Right. I think it's a very classic Christmas movie. From an early age, even when a kid doesn't understand the, you know, all of the humor, there's humor for every generation. It's one of those movies... You love it as a kid. You watch it again when you're a teenager. You understand more. You watch right. it again as an adult. Then you get the whole movie. Right. As you get older, the wiser you get. You learn. You kind of learn more about the movie as you grow up. It's it's great. It's one of those movies where it's multi generational. It's you know it's it's a Christmas classic. And I think that leaves me with my second to last pick, which would be my fourth pick. Right. Correct. Oh man, I think I got to go with a Christmas story. I had that. That was going to be my next one. You know, you can't argue with a movie that on one channel every year, they just play it for 24 hours. Dude, they play it for longer than 24 hours. I'm pretty sure. I think they play it once once or twice a day, every day through Christmas. But then you get it like a little, like 24 or 36 hours. On Christmas day. On Christmas day. Just keep playing it. Which look, I respect. And they've even made like some shitty sequel since then, or maybe it's not a shitty sequel. I'm just not, it's not for me. I think the Christmas story, you know, it's one of those Christmas classics where even if you're not a big fan of Christmas, you're not mad when that movie comes on. You got to sit through it once a year. So that was your number four, right. correct? So I got my four and five next. My number four, I'm going to go with a classic. I'm going to go with a Christmas Carol, Scrooge. Everybody knows the story of Scrooge. You might not know he's from this movie, but it's this movie where they bring him. He's a... He's a Scrooge. You're talking about like the live action? Correct. Okay. 
and they bring him through. Nobody he's, we know the name of's in the cast. He's the Christmas Scrooge. He hates Christmas. He's a bad guy. Then he's brought to understand the true meaning of Christmas, which I'm beginning to understand is the plot, more or less, for every one of these Christmas movies, the traditional Christmas movies. Yeah, pretty much. And I think A Christmas Carol was the first one to use this plot, so I think that's why it's such a great uh, pick. That's why it's my number four pick. Now, does that mean Muppet Christmas Carol's off the list? It is not. <laughs> Neither is Scrooged. That's on my list. I just don't know if it's going to be my last pick. So that was my number four, Christmas Carol. And then my number five, I got a few ways to go, but I'm going to go. But how are you going to go? I'm going to go like off the beaten path. I don't think you will. I am. I'm going to go Batman Returns. Mm. Michael Keaton's second movie as Batman. Michelle Pfeiffer as Catwoman. Danny DeVito as the Penguin. Set at Christmas. Another Tim Burton film. I was going to say it's your second Tim Burton movie on the list. That's a rare that you have a kind of a double dip, if you will. It's a great movie. Great plot. It's iconic. Michael Keaton, I Am Batman. Yeah. No, it was it was kind of the first crazy Batman we got. You know, the first like kind of unhinged Batman, like willing to do anything Batman. And and it was great. Yeah, so that's my top five. What's your number five pick? My number five pick, I think I gotta go with another Man, I'm kinda torn here. I don't know if I want to go animated or live action. But I think I got to go with another Christmas classic, at least classic for my generation, classic for our generation. I got to go with the Santa Claus with Tim Allen. I had that on my list. That was one I was debating picking. I mean, that's a they, they've gone to make several movies since. I think there's even a TV series now. It, it's it embodies the kind of the adulthood of that. I don't like Christmas anymore, but I got to get back into it because I got kids. I mean, it's the exact plot we just have mentioned a lot. Yeah, it, it's the best. Grows to love Christmas. You have to grow to love Christmas, and and I'm already, you know, I've kind of gone through the whole hate Christmas thing already. So I appreciate these types of movies even more now. I love Christmas again. I'm back in it, full swing. Santa Claus, full Christmas spirit. Let's go. So my top five to recap, number one, Elf, number two, Nightmare Before Christmas, number three, Die Hard, number four, A Christmas Carol, and number five, Batman Returns. That's a good list, dude. Uh, that's that's not a miss on that list, but there is going to be requirements for the month of December. You are now required to watch all five of those movies. I'll Fair? take that challenge. All right. And for myself, I have Home Alone, Jim Carrey's Grinch, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, a Christmas Story, and The Santa Claus. All right, so to open up the final fight night of 2023, back in the apex, we've got UFC Vegas 83. Kicking off the main card, we have Jung Young Park, the Iron Turtle, Facing off against Andre Sergipano Munez. Both fighters coming in here with a uh, efficient wrestling background. Also able to get it done on the feet. It's it's kind of a to- not a toss-up victory here, but a toss-up for how the fight's going to go. You know, is it going to be a striking guys, prominent or is it going to be a wrestling, kind of grappling, close quarters prominent fight? Two guys kind of going in the opposite direction. Park, 
four straight wins, three of those by sub, those three straight wins by sub, actually. And he's taking on Munoz, two straight losses. Park only has two losses in the UFC as well. Munoz does, Muniz, Muniz? Muniz. Muniz. He also does. He started 5-0, and and he's lost his last two. So can he kind of right the ship, or has he kind of met his match in terms of potential? It'd be interesting to see. After giving Park not two straight striking encounters, but two you know more striking forward guys in Dennis Tolulin and uh, Albert Durayev, they're giving him somebody who can, you know, so at least more wrestling forward. So they're trying to kind of test his wrestling skills. I lean for this fight to be more of a striking mixed with the ground game. You well, know, the thing for, is, Park, he's more of the real, well-rounded guy. You say he kind of has it everywhere, a little right. bit everywhere, while Muniz is more focused focused on the he's ground. A, he's a grappler. Right. Like, he's known as a grappler. I'd be interested to see Park, um, you know, take this fight to the ground and show Sergi Pano, you know, Andre Muniz, what, what's going on with his skill there. I think his best bet, to me, is to avoid the ground show... Yeah, he does have a great ground game, but so does Munoz. Munis. I think Park can beat him on the feet, and I think Park beats him on the feet. That's why I'm picking Park in the fight. I pick Park as well. My my biggest thing here is in the last two fights, Munis was out or lost, I should say. Last two fights in the UFC, he lost, which were also his last two fights in the UFC. He was sub- submitted by Brendan Allen, and he was knocked out by Paul Craig. Those are the last two fights. I mean, so, that was the last, what was that, two uh, two weeks ago, the the main event. Right, that was the guys. main event from, from two weeks ago. I'm, I'm thinking that Park, you know, is going to be able to catapult himself off his last two wins and, like you said, get himself last a— Last four wins. I think he's going to go to five straight wins after this. La- I think get he's himself a an on-the-feet victory. I think there might be some moments on the ground, but I agree with you. I think we're going to go with a— a uh, striking heavy matchup. All right, so the next fight is the Moroccan Nazrat Hakparast taking on the Australian Jamie Malarkey. Hakparast comes in two straight wins. His last win in September. Malarkey, his last fight was also a win. He's three and two in his last five. I think this is going to be a very interesting fight. Yeah, I agree. Jamie Malarkey, while, while, while they're both... It's kind of the opposite of what we had last fight where we had... A, gr- a ground guy taking on a well-rounded guy. This one, we have a well-rounded guy taking on a striker. Right. Yeah, that was exactly what I was about to say. Jamie Malarkey is well-rounded. You know, he has the ability to, to submit people if he needs to, knock you out. Obviously, I think kind of the, the style for almost every fighter in the UFC is they'd prefer to knock you out just because it's flashier, gets you those paydays, kind of, you know, keeps you in good graces of the UFC at any time. But Jamie Malarkey can do it anyway. Nazrat Hackbrass, he shows a lot of power. He finishes a lot of fights by decision as well. Wins a lot of fights by decision. Yeah, one interesting thing. He has knockouts, but his last six fights have all gone to the scorecard. He's 4-2 in those fights, so that's something to look out for. Right, I was I have that written down as well. Malarkey has been similar, but he has a TKO as well, kind of mixed in with those decision victories in his own, in his own stead. I think in this fight, you know, being... Not a toss-up on the cards. You know, it's a minus 200 money line to Nazrat Hakparast and a plus 170 to Jamie Malarkey. I think with Jamie Malarkey's well-rounded ability to kind of take people down, you know, strike you from any angle, submit you, kind of get you off your guard, I think Jamie Malarkey's going to win this fight. 
See, I'm going opposite. I think Hack Press gets the win. I think he just betters Malarkey on the feet. He's only been subbed once, so it's not like he gets subbed all the time. I think he's going to have good enough defense where Malarkey's ground game is going to be obsolete. It's going to come down to the feet. I think Hack Press gets the win, and I think it's probably another decision win for him. So is this the first we're not agreeing on here? I think that's the first pick. Well, yeah, it's only the second fight, so oh, that's that crazy. True. Yeah, no kidding. Well, this should be a few then. Way to tip our hand, Alex. There we go. So the next fight we have is Sue Mudayirji versus uh, late-notice replacement Tim Elliott. We were originally supposed to have Alan Nascimento. He's out. Tim Elliott stepping in. Tim Elliott, short notice, as you said. He last fought in October, too, and it was a loss. So it's He's, like... He's trying to bounce back in there. He's got to bounce back. Look, he's 19 and 3 in his career. He started off 6 and 7 in the UFC though. So he's been real up and down. Right. Real up and down. He needs to get back on track. He's got 3 KO victories, few submission victories. He's been winning by decision when he wins lately. It's not the best. Sue is 2 and 3 in the UFC. Most recently, he lost to Matt Schnell. That was his... Uh, he's 3-2 and two in the UFC. That's what I meant. His Sorry, three I'm, wins, I'm, two losses. My dyslexia flipped that around on me. Matt Schnell was his recent loss in the UFC. His last fight was a loss, yeah, the Schnell. As you said, he got choked out. One interesting thing, 3-2 and two in the UFC, 16-5 and five overall. Every single one of his losses has been by submission. So he's obviously, that's the weakness to go after if you're Tim Elliott. In all honesty, that was the matchup that they were kind of setting up. Yeah, Nascimento were, had 14 submission victories coming into this exactly. fight. Exactly. I actually had picked Nascimento. I did all the research. Then they did this late switch. I know that's one of the the not frustrating things with the UFC. It's the frustrating thing with fighting is you know accidents. It's injuries such an intense sport where like yeah injuries can literally bodies come out give of out, bro. It, it you know we're gonna come train back and so fight hard. again. You had to train so hard to be the in best. shape and the best. You, you're dehydrated. You're 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 strained. You know there's gonna be injuries. We'll be able to bet on Nascimento in the future. I agree, though. It, I, it was a, it was kind of a unfortunate. Occurrence. But I think with I think the late notice helps. Uh, how do you say his name? Mojarati, the Mudairji, Mudairji. I'm gonna go with that. the Tibetan eagle. There we go. The Tibetan eagle. I think this late notice switch definitely helps him. While Tim Elliott does have a ground game, it's nothing near Nascimento's. I think Mudairi gets the win, and I think he might knock Tim Elliott out. Look, I think I think Tim Elliott here is going to get the win. I don't know what the odds are currently, but I know Mudairi was the underdog in the fight he was supposed to fight. I think giving him somebody like T Tim Elliott who needs a win to really stay you know, relevant in the UFC, I think Tim Elliott is going to get the win here. All right, so now let's move on to the co-main event. Anthony Lionheart-Smith taking on Khalil the Warhorse Roundtree. This is a matchup at 205. Khalil Roundtree comes in with four straight wins, his last one in August by TKO. Three out of those four wins have been by TKO KO. So he's a guy on a roll, 8-5-1 eight and, eight, and one in the UFC, and he's taking on Anthony Lionheart-Smith, obviously a vet in the UFC. Three and two in his last five. He's one and one in 2023. Last fight was a win. I think this is a very, very interesting matchup. It is a very interesting matchup. You have somebody with Anthony Smith who has knockout power when he needs to. You know, he's always always moving, always striking. 
But he's also got 14 submission victories, meaning he can put you on the ground. He can kind of bend you at his will if you're inexperienced. Anthony's a guy he can win anyway, but he can also lose anyway. Right. You know, he's been knocked out 10 times. He's been subbed four times. He's lost by decision four times. My biggest concern here with Khalil Roundtree is in a three-round fight, if he doesn't knock out Anthony Smith, if Anthony Smith doesn't make a mistake, is he gassed? Is Anthony Smith, you know, kind of two minutes into the yeah, third round? Say what is you he, want about Anthony Smith. He's going to be there. He will be there the with, with the stamina. You can beat the shit out of him, and he'll still be there. Khalil Roundtree, he has a very heavy, very muscular build. Where if he's throwing heat, throwing power the whole fight, you know, 10 minutes of just swinging those arms, not being able to knock you out, or a combination of not being able to knock Anthony Smith out and wearing Anthony Smith on his back for a large combination of the fight, is Anthony Smith going to be able to knock uh, Khalil Roundtree out or finish him? I think the answer is maybe. I'd go with Anthony Smith for the victory. So your answer is maybe. That's pretty decisive, Alex. I, I choose Anthony Smith, so I'll say yes. I'm going to go opposite of you on this one. So this That's is like third, most of them. Third in a row now, we're opposite. Oh, I'm going no. Khalil Roundtree. I think Roundtree, although he isn't known, obviously has no submission wins. He's only been submitted once, though. So I don't think Anthony Smith is going to be able to just dominate him on the ground. I think Khalil Roundtree beats him on the feet, and I think it's going to be a TKO probably first, second round for Roundtree. Okay. So look, now the main event, we have Song, the Kung Fu Kid Yadong, taking on Chris El Guapo Gutierrez in what I envision to be a leg kick main event from Chris Gutierrez. I know I've said it before. I mean, these are two elite strikers. Two elite, elite striking dudes. Elite strikers, you're going to get a lot of output here. You know, it's gonna. It's not all gonna be high damage, but there's gonna be a They're lot of strikes connect. Yeah, it's gonna. It's gonna be very, very heavy output. Minus four hundred money line favorite for Song Yudong. Which I'm surprised because both guys come in four and one in their last five. Right. Both guys won their last fight. Uh, Song Yudong, his only loss in those five is to Corey Sanhagen, nine two and one in the UFC. Chris Gutierrez, his only loss was to Pedro Munoz. He's eight two and one in the UFC. So these guys. On paper, they look pretty comparable, and looks like it is going to be a great matchup. And as you said, both high output guys. That's why I'm kind of questioning this minus 400 line. That's kind of crazy. I think the the sheer difference here is going to be that you're going to see Yadong has the power. I, I was going to say the the difference in power with Yadong to where Chris Gutierrez will touch you 100 percent of the time throughout the fight. You're going to get the strikes through. He's going to get the points on the scorecard. That's why he has, you know what 10 six 10 decision victories you're gonna get a bunch of touches from chris gutierrez but with song yudong you've got the nine you know ko's with eight decisions it's still a lot of decisions but you mix in a couple submissions there it kind of keeps the other guy guessing you know i think song yudong with the extra power he's gonna be more precise ready to go in there and i think he will get the victory and i don't think the fight will go the dis decision on this one I got Song Yudong to the Kung Fu Kid, 26-year-old Chinese guy. I think he gets the win. And I kind of agree with you. I have an inkling that this is going to be a finish for him. Damn. Sit. Hut.
Let's jump into football, and we're going to start with the biggest college rivalry game in college football history. Still the biggest rivalry game after all these years. It's the Army-Navy game. It's so big, they give it its own weekend. Both teams come in five and six. Does Ar- the six win matter for either team? Because like, The six win makes you bowl eligible. That, that's what I was wondering. I, I'm just learning that that matters, but you can be snubbed from the college football playoffs for no reason and it i don't think either team's going to a bowl game they might be I, di- I didn't look at all the bowls yet but it doesn't matter it's one of those games like the this it's is pride. their super bowl it's pride it's a it's this a, is it's the game of the year for both teams talking shit for the whole y- next year this is army navy army right. has won five out of seven in this rivalry which is a good run for them because before that 14 straight wins for navy yeah army um their quarterback what is his name? It's uh, Bryson Daly. He's obviously their leading passer, but he's also their leading rusher. Yeah, Army does not pass the ball. Kinda, neither, te- neither of these teams pass the ball. It's going to be a running game. Yeah, dude, I was looking online, uh, kind of doing my research for everything, and they said this was abysmal offenses for both teams. You know, just, just not great football teams, you know, as far as like college football, you know, the scale of college football is concerned. But uh, Bryson Daly is the leading rusher. It looks like... They've had like a carousel starting quarterbacks for Navy so far, but it looks like uh, Ty, I don't know how to say his last name, Lavante, Lavatai, he's one of the, um, sounds Hawaiian, starter for Navy. Like I said, both seas- both teams have had poor offenses throughout the season. It's an over-under of 28 points. Who do you think is going to win the game? I think it's going to be a close game as usual. I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. The game it, is in Foxborough. It's always at a neutral site. Do you I think have, the under is going to hit? What's the what's the over-under? Over-under 28. It's very possible. That's crazy. I'm thinking like a 17-10 game. I got Army winning the game. I think they figure out a way to edge out Navy. I think they continue their good fortune in this. I got the Army Black Knights beating the midshipmen of Navy. I think the Black Knights... I agree. I think... I think the Black Knights are going to edge the Seamen. All right. So now we're going to move on to the NFL after we covered the one college football game of the week. First game we're going to look at, NFC North matchup, the 9-3 and three Detroit Lions heading to Chicago, the 4-8 and eight Bears. Lions come in minus three favorites at, in Chicago. Yeah, I guess that's, that's just because divisional games are always tough. You're going to play... You know, to your your rivals. Well, the Lions, their team, they're nine and three, but like, they've had some stinkers out there. Like, they could easily lose this game. So I think that's part of it. They're kind of unpredictable how they're going to play. They are. They they've they've come a long way since last season, where they were kind of a surprise good team. They've been an, another surprise good team this season, but a more consistent surprise. You know, uh, kind of a almost we could lean on them all season. But it, I mean, they're one of the best teams in the NFC, nine and three record. And both teams coming off of a win. But I think the Lions go into Chicago. I think the Lions get a dub. I agree. I think the Lions win. Uh, They're fifth in points scored in the entire NFL. That obviously leads, you know, to their 9-3 and record. But it doesn't go to say that their defense is just allowing anybody to score on them. They've done a lot to, you know, maintain the points scored against them. Middling in that column, but with how good their offense has been at times— you know, they've been able to win. I agree. I think the Lions are going to win. And I think, you know, they're going to move to 10-3 and three for what it, well, that'll probably be the first time ever. 
Not ever. Pretty close. In a long time. So now let's move to the next game. It's going to be the Jacksonville Jaguars, 8-4, and four, the NFC South leaders, heading to Cleveland to take on the 7-5 and five Browns. Browns come in minus two favorites. Big question, is Trevor Lawrence going to be ready to play in this game? High ankle, sp- high ankle sprain. Questionable yeah, look, the Bengals, as of this point. The Bengals with Jake Browning, is that his name? Correct. They were able to beat the Jaguars. I'll say because Trevor Lawrence wasn't able to come back. You know, if Trevor Lawrence is on the field, I think... Well, I mean, it's questionable. There's a very good chance he plays in this game. Well, I'm saying I think if Trevor Lawrence was able to have come back and played against, you know, the rest of the game against the Bengals, I think there's a good chance the Bengals would have lost that game being on the backup. But if you go to a backup backup situation like you could go to with the... Browning played his ass off last night, though. He did. You go to a backup backup situation with the Jaguars and the Browns, I don't know. High ankle sprain, Trevor Lawrence being questionable. I don't think he's the Aaron Rodgers type, you know, or the Patrick Mahomes type where he suits up next week. They need him to kind of rest and be as close to possible as, as he can. Christian Kirk's also out. He has to have... Uh, core surgery he tore his core in a non-contact pass yesterday which is brutal um so he has to have surgery so they're down bad this might just be the end of their season you know with, with not even closer eight and four in the leading a shitty division yeah but that's not that doesn't mean they're going to win their Super season Bowl. he's might play their quarterback i don't think he's week. gonna play i what don't think he's gonna play college football playoff committee just Fuck you, your quarterback's kind of hurt. <laughs> yep, clip him. He's done. Clip, you got to clip them all. They're so done. So you're picking the Browns in this? I think... That's a long... Like, how how long does it take you to say you're picking the Browns? I, and with Flacco getting the nod, I pick the Browns. I'm picking the Jags. I think they come in and get the dub. I believe in the Jaguars. Best team in the NFC South. Speaking of NFC South, let's move on to the next game. The other best team in the NFC South, fuck the Indianapolis Colts, is the Houston Texans. Six and a half point favorites at the New York Jets. Texans come in seven and five. Jets four and eight. Jets have lost five straight. Jets in four and eight. That's impressively bad. Texans have won four out of five, including their last game over the streaking Denver Broncos. I mean, I think the Texans are just going to be too much for the Jets to handle. Jets have a great defense. But no who's offense. starting for the quarterback? They said they wanted to start uh, Zach Wilson again. And he was reluctant. <laughs> reluctant. To, like, how bad were Zach Wilson's? Like, nah, fuck this. Okay, so listen, you got to hear me out on that. If you're the, if you're list, you're healthy, right? You're listed as the backup to Aaron Rodgers coming into the season. You're losing to the Bills. They're not a bad team. They beat the Bills first game of the year. Right, but I'm saying like this past week, you're losing to the Bills, 32 to six, or they lost to the Bills, 32 to six, right? No, this past week they lost to the Atlanta Falcons, 13 to eight. Jeez, I didn't, I forgot about that one. You're right. So, if you're asking, you're you're benching Zach Wilson for as the emergency third. He's inactive. He's the emergency quarterback, and there's two guys in front of him, and then you're asking him to come in. I'm good. You can have this shit show. No, because that kind of kills like if he's to go done in that, into kills your that career. squad anyway. Nah, it's still a bad look. It's a bad look. He he had redeeming qualities at the beginning of the season, but I think he's kind of done with that whole system. Just in his mind, I'm I sure think he's done in the NFL. <laughs> I'm in his mind. I'm sure he feels like he's being used. 
but that's kind of what a quarterback has to do sometimes is come in. He's doing his, literally his, his job. daily job. Like, shut the fuck up and go out there and play. You're getting paid millions of dollars to go out there and have fun or lose. Whatever. Yes, I, I got the Texans. The Texans are going to win as well. Yeah. All right, next game. Another streaking team. Team that's won three in a row, the Los Angeles Rams. Back into the playoff conversation. Six and six. Going into quietly the most impressive team this year. Nobody's even talking about them. The nine and three Ravens. Yeah, the Rams, I looked it up today. They are middling in almost every category. Yeah, but the last three record. weeks they've... The last two weeks they've dominated. Last two weeks barely they barely beat Seattle. Then the last two weeks they've dominated bad teams. So we'll see how they do. Thirteenth in points scored and fourteenth in points allowed. So hey, it's about winning games, right? Ravens, as we said, nine and three, seven point favorites. They've won four out of five, two in a row. Can the Ravens continue it? Get their tenth win in a row? I think Try so. To lock up and take a hold of that uh, first round bye in the AFC. I think they do. I think the Ravens get the dub. 68.3% is Lamar Jackson's uh, completion ratio. That's the highest he's been as a starter or in his career in the NFL. I think that, you know, him running less, he's lost the ball a little bit more, you know, running this season. But he's been more efficient. They have more points per game. I think the Ravens win the, win the game. I think you're right. Next is going to be the Vikings. Also six and six. Probably the worst game we're going to cover this week. Versus the Raiders five and seven. And honestly, the only reason we're covering it is because there's no more college football to cover. Raiders two and a half point favorites at home. The we Vikings, have Josh Dobbs versus Aiden McDowell. Josh Dobbs stock dropped so much after the twelve to ten losses. The, the alopecia king turned into Jada Pinkett Smith. And I couldn't care any less. He threw four interceptions last week. And the Raiders last week. Jumped up 14-0, not last week, their last game, so two weeks ago, right, they had a against bye. the Chiefs. They jumped up 14-0. Everybody's like, what the fuck's wrong with the Chiefs? Chiefs ended up winning that game 31-17. Where's this Raider team go? We don't know. They've lost two in a row. Uh, I, like I think it's going to be an interesting That's game. Solid. Who? I said, I like your rhymes. That's solid. I didn't even know I rhymed. Good Thank job. You. I think the Raiders figure it out. I think these are both teams that they're not going to do anything. I don't think either one's a playoff team. I think simply because the Raiders are at home, Vikings have a meddling offense. I think the Raiders figure out a way to get it done. Close game, taking Vegas. I would, I would agree with you if not for the fact that Justin Jefferson was intentionally activated off of injury reserve. They... Had a chance to do it before the bye, but they wanted him to be 100%. They didn't want him to play unless he was, you know, Yeah, I don't know if Josh ready. Dobbs is good enough to... But at least... Where an a pro elite receiver is even at, meaningful. At the very least... Yeah, we've kind of proven with Aiden McDowell that Devontae Adams is more or less useless, right? I mean, it wasn't... He wasn't the start of the whole year. Garoppolo is who's really to blame for that. Yeah. But just kind of a whole mix with the Raiders just being a shit show. I think... At the very least, this week with Justin Jefferson, at least there's a target share that gives him an opportunity to catch the ball. With that, I think the Vikings win the game. So we're different on that one. So let's move on to the next one, the NFC West matchup. The best team in the NFL, the 9-3, and three, maybe not best record, but best team in the NFL, the 9-3 and three, 49ers host their division rival, the 6-6 six and six Seahawks. 49ers, 10.5-point favorites at home. And we've said it before, when the 49ers are healthy, 
They are the best team. I mean, in they the proved NFL. it last week. They beat the shit out of the Eagles in Philadelphia. Yeah, Tush Push couldn't do shit against them. There was nothing to stop. Four the... straight wins for the Niners. I mean, after some questionable losses. Well, they started off five and zero. Right. Lost three in a row. They had a lot of injuries during that time, but lost three in a row. Had a bye week since then, won four in a row. I think they figured it out. I think this is clearing away the best team in the NFL, and they're taking on a Seahawks team who's lost three in a row. Right. Seattle has the ability to to score, but their defense allows points. And just two weeks ago, the 49ers beat the shit out of them in Seattle. Yeah. On Thanksgiving Day. The close close proximity to matchups with, you know— I think the close proximity honestly helps the Seahawks. I don't think the Niners are going to come in and blow them out quite like they did. That's no, just but it's going to be a good game for the 49ers to, to kind of flex that the team is fully healthy. I don't think they healthy. cover two and a half point, two, ten and a half points. I was going to say two and a half. I think wow. the Niners win probably by like a touchdown, like eight or nine points. But I got the Niners winning the game. I also have the Niners winning the game. I think it won't be an, an easy victory, but I think it'll be, you know, a, a touchdown. All right, so let's move on to the next game, which at the beginning of the season, if you were to point at the most exciting, biggest game of the year, I think a lot of people, this would be a strong candidate for that game. But it turns out both teams not doing as well as we thought. Chiefs 8-4, and four, they're still doing enough to make the playoffs. Taking on the 6-6 six and six Bills, who have been the most disappointing team in the NFL. Chiefs at home, two-and-a-half-point two favorites. I mean, this is a game where both teams... Coming off a loss in their last game, both teams desperately need a win. The Chiefs to kind of r- continue their supremacy. Although if they're, they're a team, if they make the playoffs, like they're still going to be favored to win every game. Taking on the Bills, who they just need to make the playoffs. They need a win. They need a win over a big team. The Bills kind of are like a shell of their former selves. Like they've been different since. But the I, thing I is, they're, they're good enough with because injuries. they're close in all these games and they fuck it up. Yeah, it's like it's they, all self self inflicted wounds. It's almost like they've turned into the clutch level of the Chargers. Yeah, like this. No, season, yeah, this season at the very least. Like I don't know if it's Josh Allen or but if then it's, the Chargers said, "We'll see you one." Right. Let's go even worse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what the like the good, the, but this has been a season where it seems like the teams that the very good teams last year were winning. Are the games where the very good teams last year were winning this year? They're they're not, and that's the nature of the NFL. That's it's yeah, it such changes a, so competitive and it's so hard. It changes so much. You're not going to stay long at the top. Chiefs, of course, I, I I think at this point they're currently ranked like third overall in the NFL. Of course, they're always an elite force with Patrick Mahomes, Travis Travis Kelsey. I mean, no matter what, if they like I said, if they make the playoffs, like they're contention. They're a, they're oh, probably, money line favorite. I'm still for the picking Super Bowl. them in every game. Right, I agree. I think the Bills just haven't gotten back on track. I think both teams' defenses are, are pretty solid so far this season, but I think Kansas City holds through and gets the win. So I think the Bills, meaning, saying that this is a game they have to win, they know it's a game they have to win. They had a bye week. I think they're going to come out, probably have their best performance of the season. I got the Bills winning the game. I got the Bills going to 7-6. and six. So let's move on to the next matchup. It's an NFA. AFC West matchup. I'm sorry. NFAFC. The 6-6 six and six Broncos coming off a loss after a huge winning streak. How can they respond? Taking on the, as we said, the least clutch team in the NFL. The 
San Diego, now LA Chargers. I know it's been like five years, but I still think San Diego Chargers. Five and seven, the Chargers. Last week, though, coming off of a win, six to zero. Yeah, over like, the what Patriots. is that? Dude, Mac Jones is so bad. I know we're not covering any of their games. Mac Jones is the worst. not covering the Patriots. Like, that, that's, it's hard to find anything In to say about them. Two or three years, they've gone from the dynasty to literally the worst team in the NFL. The Broncos. I don't know. If you're Russell Wilson, how do you go from winning five games in a row? So without the five-game winning streak, you would be one in six. Yeah, but I mean, that's like saying without half the season. Right. <laughs> I know, but I like saying it like that. <laughs> you know, also, you would say without the one in six, we'd be five and oh. Well, there you go. Well, there you go. He threw four interceptions last week. Absolutely. Absolutely Texans, abysmal. Texans did a great job getting to him. I just think this is going to come down to a game where, like, less than three hundred total. I mean, passing it's going to be a, it's going to be a Chargers game. I think it's less than three hundred total passing yards. Chargers are going to outgain the Broncos by hundred yards, but lose the game. I got the Broncos winning. I think the Chargers are going to win this game. As much as I talk shit on their clutch level, it's going to be down to coaching. I think Sean Payne's a better coach than Brandon Staley. I think. If it wasn't Sean Payton, this would be a, a battle for a coach's job. You know, this kind of this kind of game is like the turning point of this. I mean, season. it's definitely a Brandon Staley's third or fourth year, like of doing this. Of doing because this is one of they have a this very is the worst. Roster. It has he, they went like ten and. Well, the thing is, they have a very talented roster. Like thirteen and three, one season, and it's just gone down and down and down ever, ever, every year since. They blew a twenty-eight to zero lead in the playoffs last year, and, and nobody's then, giving them twenty-eight to three Falcons shit in the Super Bowl. They're just letting them. Well, I mean, the Super Bowl is a whole different beast, right? But they're five and seven with a great team. All right, so now let's move on to the last football game. The main event. The main event. The best football game of the weekend. Probably NFC East matchup. As we said, the Bills-Chiefs probably preseason was game of the year. This might this, be game I was going to say, this might be the hottest matchup. Well, besides week. last week when the Niners beat the shit out of the Eagles. Right. This is divisional rivals. Division this rivals. This is tight, though. Rivals. Rivals. NFC East matchup. This is one where what the Cowboys, Revis? <laughs> Cowboys can pull even if they win at 10 and 3. The 10 and 2 Eagles, 9 and 3 Cowboys. Dallas at home, where they're undefeated this season. Three and a half, three point, and a half favorites. point favorites. They're usually dog shit at home. Not this season. Four straight wins total. Last week, Thanksgiving night. They Last week? Two weeks ago. Two weeks ago. Thanksgiving night. Beat the, Eagle, beat the, Seahawks, beat the Seahawks. Another bird team. Bird gang. Another bird. They beat him in a shootout, taking on the Eagles coming off. They had a lot of close games, close wins leading up to this. They got the absolute dog piss beat out of them by the 49ers. Yeah, it was a bad, bad. It's a humbling, humbling game where how are the Eagles going to respond? Are they going to respond playing their best football? Or are they going to still kind of be a step back? Man, this is one of those games where I don't even want to watch just because it's like, as much as my dad's a Cowboys fan, I just know, I just can see what's going to happen to Dallas at home here. But I'm not. Everything's pointing to the Cowboys <laughs> winning this game. Right. And what happens every time everything points to the Cowboys winning this game? I'll tell you what, buddy. You just convinced me. I'm changing my pick. I picked the Cowboys. I've never thought about it till you said that. Right. This is an Eagles win all the way. Right. I am changing my own mind here. 
I never thought about it. Every time I've ever thought the Cowboys were going to win when a, in a matchup that was sided. When oh, an important game like this all points to you. The Cowboys fuck it up. The Cowboys up. are going to fuck it up. Yeah. I, I don't want to do it, but I absolutely switch to the Eagles. I think... Same, brother. Same. I'm picking the Eagles. I Look, Dallas is top 10 in every category this season. It, it's it's crazy how good they've done, how efficient they've been. Lucky they're not in the playoffs right now because the Eagles are going to walk back off of the San Francisco 49ers loss, and they are about to cripple the Dallas Cowboys this game. So, we agree on that one. I never, I never expected that to happen. And now it's time for Stakes and Takes. We're going to recap last week's bets, last week's picks, stakes or takes, if you will, or takes or stakes, whichever way you say that. We'll give you our standings for the season, last month of November included. And we'll give you our upcoming stakes for this week well we gave you our stakes no we gave our takes we gave you our takes we're gonna give you our stakes i tried to correct you i'm sorry we'll figure it out one day the stakes and the takes one is bets one is picks y'all tell us which just kidding what's your uh what's your record from last week Last week wasn't the best for me football wise, surprisingly. Uh, I went nine and seven overall. Four and two in the UFC. I was happy with my UFC picks. Yeah, I went four and two as well. I think we picked the exact same there. Got the same losses. Yeah, Soriana Rob Font. Yeah. I went two and three in college football. I got Oregon Washington wrong. Washington obviously won. I picked Oregon. I got Georgia Bama wrong. Yeah, I got that one wrong too. I picked Georgia. You you got both of these wrong with Right. Me. I picked Georgia. Bama obviously won. And then the one I went out on a, a limb, I was trying to call an upset. I thought Louisville was going to beat Florida State without their quarterback. Florida State won by double digits. Still got left out of the college football playoff. Ridiculous. So you, yeah, but but you, I got that one wrong. I you got to think about that. You preemptively snubbed them by just going against them. Yeah, I think that's why I'm so adamant that they should have got in because I did that, and look what they did. They still won. It was an ugly win, but they won by double digits. They were obviously way better than Louisville. Right, I agree that, like, you can't you can't just snub them because somebody got hurt. Like, yeah, that's, that's fucked up. They're 13-0. And, and that that's the open excuse they're trying to use is they're not the same team without Jordan. Like, that it's was— It's not like this is— Ooh, Central Let's Nebraska go. going 13-0 and their best player gets hurt. This is Florida State, one of the most storied programs college football. I tell you and what, you leave them out. as soon as we put the Florida State hashtag on this on this video, this is going to get views because it is heinous what they're doing to them. Yeah, it really is. Anyway. And then NFL, I went 3-2. and two. My two losses, I picked the Broncos over the Texans. Obviously, Texans proved me wrong. I picked the Texans and, there, so whoop, whoop. And I think we both got this one wrong. We both assumed the Chiefs were going to beat the Packers. Props to the Packers. They showed out. They got yeah. the dub. Yep, 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 yep. I went 4-1 and one on NFL. I got the Packers pick wrong. Everything else I got right. 4-2 and two in the UFC. 3-2 and two in, in the college football. Good thing is I tied things back up in the picks. Christian, you are now 57-43-1. I am now 57-41-3. Got the same amount of wins, a couple less losses. But I got some pushes in there that, you know. It's all about the wins, baby. It's all about the wins. 
Moving on to our stakes, how'd you do last week? Considering I did average in in takes, I did horrendous in stakes. Yeah? Were they like all all like well done? One in four. I lost Soriano money line. He was a favorite. I lost Rob Font money line. He was a favorite. I lost Oregon Ducks money line. They were a favorite. I lost Georgia Bulldogs money line. They were a favorite. Only one I won, and thank God they showed out for me, was the San Francisco 49ers. I had their money line. Yeah, that's a... that's a bit of a situation for you, man. That that's uh, that's rough. It was tough. I'm pretty sure it uh, it cost me the lead in the uh, takes. The yeah. stakes. I'm sorry. It, it 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 definitely it. That's what made us tie back up for sure. Because I went four and one, two weeks in a row, four and one. It really, really helped push me back, put me back in in the mix. Otherwise, you were just gonna keep walking away with it. For the total season standings. Uh, it brings both of us up to uh, 153 for the wins. I have 81 losses. You have 82 losses. I have four pushes. You have three. So we're still neck and neck up to the very, very end. We and got two weeks left. Two weeks left of the whole first season, season zero. And both, both stakes and takes are up like, for the taking for either one of us. Literally the, tied, pretty much. Yeah, I mean, it's within a pick. So... We got to figure something out to to kind of decide this at the very end of the season. What do you have for UFC takes this week? My UFC takes this week, I have... I got two. I also have two. One of them got canceled. I was planning on going uh, Nasamito Moneyline. Obviously, that he uh, pulled out of the fight. Instead, I'm going Song Yudong. I know it's, he's a big favorite, minus 400. I don't quite like the odds, but I'm trying to pick winners right now. Yeah, just trying to get an edge to win. I get it. I'm getting Song Yudong, and I'm Nazrat Happarast. Happarast? Happarast. I always have trouble saying his name until I get it. Once I get it, it's I can locked. say it. But I'm taking Nazrat. I got his money line at minus 220. Nice. Uh, my two... I'm taking Jung Young Park, money line. I think on that one, you know, I, I think with the mix of the ground game, he's going to win. My other UFC fight, I don't know the odds. They didn't release anything yet because he's a late notice replacement. I'm taking Tim Elliott, money line, to beat Sue Mudayerji for late notice. Not bad. Are we both taking the college game? I'm not taking the college game. I this am. Week. I'm taking Army minus uh, 148. Army money line for Christian. I believe in the Black Knights. I have three NFL bets. I this obviously week. have two. I have the Detroit Lions money line. What's the odds you got? I think they're gonna win. Let's see my odds here. Damn, that's the. Of course, it's the first page, not the last page. My odds here minus one eighty five for the Detroit Lions. Yeah, I had minus one seventy, but I like that pick. My next pick is going to be the Vikings money line. They're actually going to be a plus one fifty five underdog. See, I have them at minus one sixty two. That might have updated what since you know since I wrote it. I think it's going to kind of flux. I think it's going to end up being more or less of a pick 'em for the Vikings. You know, they could lose. They could win. Both teams have their struggles. And my last one is going to be a Chiefs money line. You know, it's a kind of a toss-up with them with the Bills. It's a minus 140. What I have is the money line here. I think the Chiefs are going to win. They don't usually lose two in a row. 
even though it's kind of a push for the the Bills, they need the win here. I think the Chiefs are going to pull it out. I got two NFL bets. I got Texans minus 298 is what I got it at. So I got the Houston Texans beat, going to New York, beating the Jets. And then I have I changed this one late too. I got the Eagles money line plus 154 over the Cowboys. Nice. You have an upset for us this week? So my upset of the week, um, the Eagles could be it, but I wrote somebody before I switched my pick to them. I'm going to take the Buffalo Bills plus 120 going to Kansas City, getting a dub. That's my upset of the week. Bills plus 120. My upset of the week is Jamie Malarkey. I think he's going to beat Nasrat Hackparast. I think he has, uh, you know, what it takes at that plus 170 money line, you know, with the diversity and his skill set to take the win. I think that about wraps up our stakes and takes for the week. Thanks for listening to episode 25 of Split Precision. Check us out next week. We're going to review UFC Vegas 83, take a look ahead to week 15 in the NFL, and also look ahead to the final pay-per-view UFC event of the year, UFC 296, Colby Covington, Leon Edwards. I'm